0: hello welcome to the dairy dive my name is scott harris today we're going to talk about heat stress not for humans but for cows so buckle up because we're diving deep first of all we hope we can try to educate you so you learn just a little bit a little bit my whole life's been dairy farming some
1: days he wonders why he <laughs> ever milk cows
0: it's
2: kind of just in the blood around here i don't know what it is but we like livestock buckle up the dairy dive starts now we are back with another episode Scott today we have Daniela Roland from the Penn State Extension Office in to talk about heat stress what do you think I think this was a really good podcast do you know what my favorite part of talking with Daniela Roland was and and I don't even know if we were recording for this part of it but she told us that she loves the intro for this podcast, and specifically, she loves the Sandlot reference that's in the intro to this podcast.
0: Yeah, that probably did move her up to the top of the list of She's our the favorite podcasts we've ever guest. had. Yep. Yep. Outside of maybe some of the people we met, they haven't been guests, but people we've met who said they actually
2: listen to this show. Yeah. Yeah, congratulations to you guys. You're our favorites. Yeah. Um, no, I was, I was very pleased when she, when she immediately caught the Sandlot reference in our intro that I don't think a lot of people necessarily catch. And so, um, how how good is the Sandlot?
0: Oh my gosh. That is just one of my favorite movies. Probably. So my, my best friend, uh, I won't say her name on the podcast. That's, that's like her favorite sh- movie of all time. You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls. How can I have
2: some more if I haven't had any yet?
0: <laughs> when the kid doesn't know Babe
2: Bruce, you know, he's a like, Babe
0: Bruce, the Bambino, the Sultan of Swat. <laughs> that's
2: that's a, a an all-time class. So what's your favorite
0: sports movie? Uh, it's uh, Man, I get this question so much, but I'm I'm going to have to We did a go. podcast
2: for, for another guy. On, we did. Yeah. Yeah. Sports movies of all time.
0: Uh, you know, it's just so hard, but I mean, probably Bull Durham. Bull Durham's good. Yeah.
2: Field of Dreams is classic.
0: Bull Durham. I mean, top five are probably going to be Bull Durham, Field of Dreams, um, The uh, Remember the Titans. It's a great movie. Remember the
2: Titans is a tremendous movie. I love Major League. Oh, Yeah. And yeah. I even love Major League 2.
0: Major League 2 that's when it fell apart after
2: that. After Major League 2 there yeah. was no more but Major League 2 I would say is just, just about is, as good up. as 1. Yeah. It holds up for sure. But no there's just those we you know we're St. Louis Cardinal fans around here and so uh at the recording of this podcast I'm sure it's going to record a few weeks before it publishes the the Cardinals records not so good. It's not so good. And uh, the the reference I texted you and Jimmy in our office uh, a picture of the of the coach from Major League, and we won yesterday. We won today. If we, it's called two in a row. <laughs> if we win tomorrow, that's called a winning streak. It's happened before. It's happened before. <laughs> yes. Uh, if you're a, I mean, if you're a baseball
0: individual. How can you not like that movie? Bob Bob Euchre. I mean, it is true blue baseball. I mean that, you know, it and Bull Durham, I would say, are
2: just, yep. you know, so true blue baseball. Kevin Costner really does a good job in a baseball movie. The man can act some sports. He loves baseball too. And so uh Bull Bull Durham obviously is is classic um I mentioned Field of Dreams, classic, and then... uh, For the love of the game. For love of the game. It's underrated, I feel like. It goes under the radar in sports movie conversations, but it's a great movie. Yep, solid. Yeah, I mean, sports movie period, that guy's the man. Draft Day. Draft Draft Day. He does does a lot of sports movies. Good for him. They need to do more sports movies, if you ask me. I'm not sure how this relates to heat stress. I'm just excited somebody got the Sandlot reference, and that kind of got us spiraling. (laughs) Well, to kind of bring us back on track here. If sure, I may,
0: if you, if baseball's you want, I played guess. in the heat, and that's got to be stressful. Mm. Speaking of Speaking being of stressed, stressful yeah. in heat, um, in today you know, we, we're gonna, you're know going to learn more about heat stress. and uh, Particularly, I wanna, don't want to give it away again, but listen to what she talks about in the difference between BTUs, between high-producing animals and lower-producing animals, and how that relates to heat stress. It's going to blow your mind.
2: She was a fantastic guest, and I can't think of anything more that we can add other than just more sports movie distractions, because I think we could probably do that for another couple hours. We won't subject you to that, though. We'll do that off air, and right now, we're going to kick this over to Scott's interview with Daniela Rowland.
0: So we're actually going to bring in our guest, Daniela Rowland, uh, Franklin County Dairy Educator with Penn State University. Daniela, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for taking the time to join us and uh, appreciate you coming on board.
1: Great. Thanks for having me here today.
0: Absolutely. So I kind of said who you were, but give us a little more detail. You know, you're at Penn State, but uh, what, what kind of what do you do there? How maybe how long you've been there? Just a little bit more about you and kind of the, the background of what you do.
1: Sure. Well, like you said, I'm Daniela Rowland, and I am the dairy educator in Franklin County with Penn State Extension, um, located in the south central part of the state. Um, I haven't been with Extension too long, Uh, been there about six months, but I've been working in the dairy industry a little over 20 years now. Uh, Worked on the lobbying side and regulatory side, Uh, worked for a dairy cooperative for quite a years. And then my husband and I used to also be uh, dairy farmers. We operated our own dairy farm and farmed full time for five years. So um, in my role with Extension, I really do like working with farmers, getting out to their farms, helping them troubleshoot problems from anything from milk quality to um, ventilation questions within their their operation. So it's been a great job so far.
0: So you've got to be on both sides of the coin. You've been the the operator and, and kind of the the expert coming in to maybe help an operation as well.
1: I have, yes, yes. So I yeah, I try to put to my to farmer helpful. hat when I'm working on when I'm working with the farmers. Yes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That that's great. So what we're talking about today is, is for, uh, kind of derived from an article um, that I had found I believe was in Progressive Dairymen um, that you had, you had, uh, written and it talks about maintaining milk production as temperatures rise. And, uh, I think it is something that, I mean, I don't know, I don't want to speak for other, for, for the average dairyman, but I think it's something that could get lost very easily as far as the effects of this. And so your article kind of starts off by talking about the heat that's generated by a dairy cow while producing milk. So, talk to us about those differences between what we can expect from a high-producing cow versus a low-producing cow in relation to this heat that's created.
1: Sure. Well, uh, a cow is most comfortable, and or her thermal neutral zone is between 40 and 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, so, as temperatures do spike up, uh, cows will quickly become heat stressed. So, um, and as we know, cows have their rumen and that produces a lot of heat. Um, so to put that in perspective for a high producing cow, uh, a cow that's giving about 120 pounds of milk can generate about 6,300 British thermal units or BT unit, BTUs of uh, heat in an hour. Now, compare that to a lower producing cow, maybe a Jersey or just a lower producing animal who's giving only about 40 pounds of milk, she's going to only generate about 3,300 BTUs of heat in an hour. So that's a big difference. And it's a um, good thing to note if for farms that do have those higher producing animals to really make sure they have good heat abatement practices in place um, because those animals will quickly become heat stressed. Um, so and then is also that. One- Oh, oh, sorry. I'm Go sorry. ahead. Daniel. Go ahead. One other thing, just to put it in perspective, because I didn't really, you know, no comparing humans to animals. Humans only generate about 300 to 400 BTUs of heat in an hour. So, of course, the dairy cow produces a whole lot more heat than we would.
0: That is a great perspective, and exactly what I was going to ask you is to put that into perspective. So, so we're on the same page there. Um, so, I guess when you're talking about the, you know. And I, this isn't in the outline, so if it's not an area that you know, that's fine. But what causes that difference, and is that a genetic thing? From you know, like say from a Holstein to Jersey, um, is it just there's generally less intake with one over the other, or do you have any idea what, what creates such a big difference in that in that BTU?
1: That's a good question. I don't want to misspeak on that, so I, yeah. I don't know. I'm going to assume that it's just the the amount of feed that that animal is taking in she's just ruminating a lot more and generating more heat there um that would be my and that would make sense yeah i mean
0: that would make sense to me we neither one of us are claiming to be experts here but you know if anybody out there listening does know the answer to that please feel free to email us uh i'd love to know what your what the what the reason is it's just something i was curious about as we were kind of talking through it but you know you you talk a lot in the article about um some simple management practices to minimize the stress and uh, there's some I think there were there were there were a couple that were seemed pretty obvious but there were some that I thought may not be as obvious but let's talk through those you kind of share five ideas um, that we can talk about from a management standpoint let's kind of hit on those real quick
1: sure and I, I think it is um an important thing for farmers to think about, especially with tighter margins this year and milk prices not looking as great as they have been, um, that doing these little management practices can really help your milk production, help, help the farmer's bottom line. So it's little things that you can do that won't cost a lot of money um, to help minimize heat stress and help keep that production up during the summer months. Um, So one thing I like to remind farmers to do is just to do some routine maintenance um, in the springtime with their fans and sprinkler systems. Um, That's a great way to keep animals cool. And um, so making sure nozzles on the sprinklers are operating, but then also the fans. Um, You know, it's easy to go switch, switch the barn fan on and think, well, we'll cool the cows down today. But if there's any dirt or debris built up on that, on that fan it's not going to be running as efficiently so it's been found that even just an eighth of an inch of dirt on that fan will reduce the efficiency of the fan by 40 percent so another good maybe motivation to get out and clean those fans is you'll have the same electric bill but your fans won't be operating as well and won't be cooling uh, the cows and doing their job so it's important to to do that routine maintenance there Um, one other thing farms can do is just make sure the animals have fresh clean water. Uh, that's really important and and key to good cow comfort there. Uh, when the temperature rises and um, like a high producing cow they could be drinking upwards of 50 gallons of water a day so making sure that you have p- plenty of fresh clean waters throughout your barns or if animals are out on pasture making sure they have access to fresh clean water there as well. Uh, so just for an example in temperature changes uh, when it's 40 degrees versus 80 degrees and that's temperature spikes an animal on a hot day might drink 50 percent more water so it's really important to provide that fresh fresh clean water for those animals Um, and then in pennsylvania here and i think still out in the midwest uh, there's a lot of tie stall operations so for those animals that have their individual water bowls making sure that you take the time to clean out those water bowls because those can get filled with debris and feed as well. So uh, making sure those animals have have that access to their water bowl is really important too. Let's see, so another uh, tip I'd like to remind folks is just to avoid working the cattle on hot days. Of course, you don't wanna haul animals during the heat of the day, but also things like vaccinations. If you need to vaccinate your animals and you know next week's gonna be hot, can you hold off on vaccinating your animals another week? Because um, just giving the vaccine itself can cause a slight fever in those animals. I know it happens with my kids as well. When my kids get vaccinated, sometimes they'll spike a little fever. So that happens in animals as well. And trying to minimize um, working the animals on those hot days can be helpful.
0: So, yeah, I mean, you know, I know there's a couple more of these still to go through, but I'm going to stop you there and and just say, you know, the, of those first three that you mentioned we between barn fans and fresh water and the vaccinations, I mean the two particular- i mean all three of them I think are definitely issues, but the barn fan aspect and the vaccination is something I don't hear a lot of discussion around, and so I'm really glad you bring that up and I hope that somebody out there listening hears that because you know the point you made particularly about the barn fan from the aspect of you're not going to notice a difference necessarily in the electric bill, but it might sure make a difference on the efficiency of the animal. That's a big connection there.
1: Right, exactly. It's something to something to consider and um and and try to put a routine maintenance program in place with your fans there is important.
0: Absolutely. So you've got a couple more areas. So one of them you talk about is feeding during cooler times, and then shade as much as possible. There's some semi, little semi-related. Probably uh, talk to you about those two things.
1: Sure. In terms of feeding, it's just important um, to note that animals will have a reduced feed intake when it's when it's hot out, of course, um, and they'll have reduced dry matter intake, and then that can in turn uh, reduce. Uh, pounds of milk and you might have some loss in production there. So feeding at cooler times of the day is important. So if you're not doing that already, uh, maybe changing your feeding times to make sure you're feeding the cooler part of the morning or cooler part of the evening. So the animals will want to be up and eating and consuming that feed, um, is, can be really important. Um, and then in terms of shade and keeping animals cool, that's that's also equally important. So just when you're looking at barn design, making sure even animals that are in the barn have access to shade and not stuck in the sun um, is important. But then in the holding um, pen too as well, providing shade and fans, um, sprinklers can also be uh, a good way to keep those animals cool when they're in the holding pen. Cause that's another area around the farm where Animals, of course, will become overheated very quickly if they're grouped together uh, for even just a quick short amount of time. They can quickly um, become heat stressed there.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it would be, you know, we want to make sure that we're putting, we're doing, you know, all these things to me seem like, you know, not, and there's not one thing that necessarily is huge per se versus it's if you don't do these things well, and I use this phrase a lot, and I probably used it on this podcast before, but it's if you don't do these things, it's a death by a thousand cuts, right? It's all these little things that really start to add up, and before you know it, you're costing yourself and your farm and your operation a lot of money and a lot of time, and so it's important to look at these things and value them and understand them.
1: Yes exactly. it's uh, a lot of these things can get easily overlooked when you're when you're busy, especially springtime with spring planting and you're focused on the crop side and maybe not spending as much time in the barns um, that can really um, make a difference there of just trying to do these little things
0: yeah that's so let's say we we're struggling with this. What are some signs um, that we can look at? Um, to tell if heat stress is a factor in our milk production?
1: Sure, one, um, one easy thing to monitor are your daily milk weights. So um, just looking at, at those daily milk weights and if you see a drop in production of greater than five pounds, I'd say take a look at other things around your operation. Are cows standing longer? Um, is your dry matter intake down? Those sorts of things, um, because that could be a sign that the animals are, are Becoming heat stressed. Um, One other thing is looking at your conception rates. So um, the hot weather can of course affect the cow, but it can also affect the follicle and the the embryo too. So if you see a decrease in conception rates um, during the summer months versus your annual average, that could be an indication that you have some, some heat stress within your herd on your farm. And another thing is your rates of lameness. Uh, when it's hot out, so the animals will be, tend to stand up more, they may crowd together. Um, they're, they're just producing so much heat, the cow won't wanna go lay down and ruminate. So if you see animals standing for longer, that in turn, all that added stress on her feet and legs, um, you might notice some spikes in rates of lameness, say by August, September, October. So later this year take a look at your um your animals and see if you've had any lameness issues and and more lameness cases that could mean your animals were really standing too long and and had you had some heat stress problems this summer
0: and it's i think the key the key would be behind this is examining and looking for these things regularly making sure we're making the time taking the time to evaluate these things and watching them because Um, it seems like it could be something that could be a problem for a while. And if you're not observant, you're not paying attention. Um, it could be, uh, cause a real challenge for the farm and, and for the dairy cow production.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. So I'm not an ag engineer, but I worked with a fellow, um, dairy educator who is our ag engineer and our team recently to go out to a farm and help a farm that's looking at, uh, changing their, um, their fans and they're within their barn because they noticed last year, a lot of the animals were standing. So they had that spike in lameness um, and they're trying to get ahead of it for these summer months. So um, just trying to be ahead of things or um, and taking a look at your, all these management records um, over the summer and seeing what you can do for next year if you need to make any changes can be important.
0: Yeah, I think what's hard for the for the dairyman is, you know, when anytime you're talking about capital investment, so you're talking about new fan system, opening up you well know, adding opening up part of the barn, whatever whatever it could be. There's a ton of different things you could do from a capital investment standpoint. In the dairy side of things, it can be hard to measure that loss. You know, you don't, you may not even realize how much you're losing. So it's hard to put a a measure to what this could save me. In other words, to justify the capital investment. So it's one of those things that you're just going to have to educate yourself on and get get a better understanding of. Is that a fair way of saying that?
1: Yes, yes, it is. And there's a lot of good um, extension resources out there that have those um, dollar figures out there if you're looking at putting in new fans what the cost would be and what that could mean on gained milk production and pounds of milk. So um, just doing a little homework can be helpful to, if you're looking at thinking about or on the fence about, you know, putting in the capital to make improvements on your farm.
0: Yeah, I would, so that's good, good, good to keep in mind. So yeah, you know, no matter where you are in the country, you know, I, I'm sure Penn State has plenty of tools um, that you can utilize and access, so make sure you're taking the time to do that and evaluating and and trying to look at it with fresh eyes. Um I think it could be easy for all of us, no matter what line of work we're in, to just get used to doing our daily grind and it's taking that fresh set of eyes and making sure we're looking at it from every different angle that we can is so helpful. So is there you know as we kind of wrap it up here, is there anything that maybe else was in the article that maybe we haven't hit on? or anything that maybe wasn't in the article that you wanna really emphasize and and push forward to the listeners to say, make sure you're thinking about this, that you'd like to get out there.
1: Sure, Uh, one thing I didn't mention uh, in the article is just uh, the importance of paying attention to all your animals on your operation, because calves, heifers, dry cows, all those animals can become heat stressed as well. Uh, So it is really important to make sure people think, You know, the newborn calf, of course we know She doesn't like the cold weather, and that really can negatively affect the calf. But on the flip side, hot days can also affect those calves. So making sure you have good ventilation and provide fresh, clean water for those calves is important. And then same goes for the heifers and dry cows, too. Um, Here in Pennsylvania, a lot of our heifers and dry cows on the farms do have access to pasture. So making sure there's shade, um, clean water, and if they do go into the barns, having good ventilation is important. So... Um, Just reminding folks to uh, look at and provide heat abatement for all all classes of animals on their farm is important.
0: Yeah, it's easy for us to focus on the ones that we think of are are directly making us the money versus realizing some of the challenges that could be happening in early stage um, or before they become lactating um, can have a drastic effect on their ability to have milk production during that time as well
1: yes exactly it's yeah there's been some research that has shown that uh that dry cows really are affected by heat stress and then that in turn can affect them at freshening and cause you know different host problems like mastitis or retained placentas but then the heat stress on the uh, growing fetus as well um, it's been sh- shown that that can um, have an impact as well so if a dry cow freshens too early, she'll have a have a calf that has a lower birth weight, and that can in turn result in some problems for that newborn calf as well. So, just as a whole um, problem for that dry cow and that growing growing replacement heifer for for the um, when it comes to heat stress. That
0: yeah, makes complete sense. Well. Thank you, Daniella, for taking the time to uh, to come on the podcast. And is there a, an email or that, that you can give if anybody would like to have some follow-up discussion uh, with you that they, they're allowed to reach out to you and ask some questions?
1: Sure, I can give you my email. And then I we also have um, a Penn State Extension website. People can just look up my name there if uh, that's easier. My contact information is on the Penn State Extension website. And then my email is... D J R six one five eight at psu dot edu.
0: Perfect. Well, again, we'd like to thank Daniela for coming on and uh, exploring this topic with us. And we hope that uh, you enjoyed it. We also want to make sure you take a few minutes and check out some of the other social media that uh, we put out. We try to put out a, a lot of really good content. We don't try to make it necessarily a Master's Choice commercial as much as we're trying to inform the industry and make us all better. But you can check us out on Facebook, uh, Instagram. Definitely check out YouTube. Um, and then you can also check out seedcorn.com uh, for a little more in-depth hybrid information. So, um, and we just want to make sure again, take the time, plug in, stay tuned into what everything's going on. Hope everybody has a wonderful day. Take care.
2: Well, that's it for today's episode of the Dairy Dive. We hope you enjoyed the new format. And if you did, we would so appreciate it if you would leave us a review. A good one we hope uh, but those reviews help us increase our visibility and uh, reach more people in the dairy community so thanks so much for listening and uh, we'll see you next time